0: Welcome to Season 5 of the podcast of The Urban Mystic. In this season, we're exploring relational spirituality, which is rooted in immediate engagement with God. It is a relational, mystical spirituality, encouraging people to enter deeply into living and loving in relation to their own self, others, the cosmos, and God. In seeking to establish a relational spirituality on the foundation of our value for intimacy with God, we're teasing out the difference between our relationship to the practice of the faith and to the pursuit of relationship with god in our last two episodes we reflected on the practice of church and spirituality as non-relational we noted that on either end of that spectrum is the relational engagement with god meaning immediate engagement with god direct connection between the individual and god actually in focus whether it's in the practice of doing church or in spirituality in these two episodes we reflect on more direct and immediate experiences of God and the relation thereof to church and to spirituality. In this episode we reflect on the experience of God in the Alpha Course. We reflect on the kinds of tensions that can emerge between those running Alpha and the host church. Often tension, confusions and complexes emerge. This is a tension between the regular experience of church and the kinds of experience expected on the Alpha Course. So after setting our sights the last two weeks on this continuum, you know, on one hand, the idea that God is, uh, you know, the proprietary offering of a special group that uh, highly creates these experiences on one hand. And then on the other hand, the, the sense that God is universally present and so we're never far from God and so we never need a special encounter with God because God is always there. And no matter how we feel, we're still always immersed in God's presence. We've got that continuum. And having looked at those and recognize that in neither case is the immediate engagement with God actually in mind, because the reduction to religious goods and services is not the same as a relational engagement. It's often put into a faith box, and it's often just in the curation of the service. You know, it's the, it's the conditionism or the context, and you're supposed to have an inner experience as opposed to there being an experience of a presence or experience of, of the divine you know, of God drawing near in person in one way or another. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's just the sense that you're supposed to be finding God in everything as opposed to the sense that God draws near to you in a unique way at a particular time or particular place or, you know, in a particular location in your walk or anything like that. Having covered those and putting that out there, there's, there's, there's two kinds of offerings where the idea of God drawing near in person is actually held in high esteem and actually practiced, but that I I want to be sufficiently humble in saying this, but I don't want to pull back on being responsibly critical. Critical not in the sense of criticizing it, but critical in the sense of actually evaluating what's going on there and what we're doing to really consider why these experiences or why this practice is is ill-fitted to doing church, or ill-fitted to, or ill-matched to spirituality, because it actually ends up being that case. I don't know, that sounds a bit like I'm speaking cryptically. So let me take another step <laughs> forward and say that, that that on one hand, we've got courses like the Alpha Course, which is a popular course, where there's a Holy Spirit weekend away, and the experience of, of God is very much included on that weekend away. And, and yet there's limitations to that, that I think need to be unpacked, and I'd like to do that this week. Then on the other hand, we've got movements like the Vineyard Movement and the New Wine Movement and a number of evangelical and mainline churches that have adopted the, the Vineyard model of ministry, the five-step model of ministry, and they've integrated it. So, so where we end up with, I think, tonight's discussion focusing on something like Alpha and how it can be introduced to a church and yet you can end up with subcultures where it's not actually integrated. Um, I'd like us to focus on that tonight. But then on the other hand, there's this model of ministry that can be integrated and is often very well received, and I'd like to focus on that next week and basically look at and consider why these are incredibly valuable and important things to include but they're problematically integrated. And so they don't actually become the foundation to a genuine relational spirituality that takes intimacy with God and the presence of God and the practice of the presence of God as seriously. It doesn't integrate it as well.
1: Cool. Well, then let's yeah, let's start to tease that out piece by piece. I think logical beginning point for me is just to quickly give a background to the Alpha Course just for anyone who's unfamiliar with that. Um because i i'm I'm aware that in certain circles it's far more of a of a of a well-known course and entity and and others have never heard of it. and I guess particularly if you if you were listening to this and come from outside of kind of the Christian church, you you might not have come across it, although funnily enough, <laughs> that's exactly it's uh, actually what it was designed for. Um, so you would think at least on paper. That uh, people who weren't familiar with the Christian church. The the theory is that you should actually be the person who's heard the most about it. But anyway, it's a a course that comes out of England written by a a minister there and it's essentially it is a brief introduction to Christianity as well as the person of Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ and it's It's a program of varying length, depending on, on how you run it. It started out quite sort of set, and over the years, it's evolved um, into a number of different spin-offs. and you could do shorter forms and longer forms and all sorts of things. But essentially, the idea is that uh, if you are new to the Christian faith, you'd be invited by a friend or someone who got to know you or even a random stranger to come to a church once a week on an evening or something or a weekend, and it starts out very slowly with just very sort of broad strokes backgrounds to Christianity and some of the beliefs there, and then introduces the person of Jesus. And <clears throat> depending on the person who's running it sometimes or the, you know, the group behind it, they might describe it as it peaks in this weekend, which is often a weekend away, um, often a Friday night to a Sunday sort of lunchtime. Um, and you go away to some venue together as all the people on this program. And that is called the Holy Spirit Weekend, where the third person of the Christian Trinity is introduced. And I'm trying to pick my language very carefully here. And, and hopefully that will become apparent in a couple of minutes when I start to speak a bit further. Um, and out of that, out of that weekend, um, there are a number of modules to round things up. But the reason that that weekend is often spoken about as a peak weekend is that that is the weekend that that the the most of the people that I've ever come across who've run the Alpha course set their sights on obvious and hoped for changes in the people coming to the program. That following that weekend, they're either more open to or feel far more connected with or completely willing to connect their lives with the, the message of Christianity. Or the person of Jesus or the person of the Holy Spirit, or all of the three, or more. So that's that's a very that's a very brief sort of introduction to what we're talking about here. And specifically, we're wanting to shine, you know, shine the light. We're going to focus on this idea of the Holy Spirit. We can't. And again, it's 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 yeah, it's quite a complex one for me, because there's so many threads that are sort of wound together around this this simple idea, because it depends so much on the background of the church, the actual people involved, the history leading into it, in terms of, you know, how Alpha as a program is positioned, the, the manner in which it's put forward, the atmosphere in which it's put forward, etc., I mean, I've known churches that will run an alpha course year in and year out. I was part of a church for a few years that was running it year in and year out. And it was just always the same group of people that went every year. as like a, just a friendship get together again. And so, you know, the, the course was written to, to reach out to people outside of a church. But, you know, <laughs> it had obviously taken on a new flavor in that church and anything from there to, you know, I've, I've witnessed Alphas that are very much like, a, like, hey, we're going to go and get in our cars on a Sunday evening after church, and we're going to go and comb the streets and invite anyone we come across to come and join the Alpha program.
0: Many proponents become the, um, the Jehovah Witness equivalent of, uh, well, the evangelical equivalent of Jehovah Witnesses with the Alpha course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I can remember once going up to the group and, uh, and uh, we had a pimp come up to us and tell us to back off and stop bothering him, bothering his girls because they had to work and we were getting in the way. and that was kind of you know from, from the one end of the spectrum to the other in terms of intents and focuses here. But it's not always run the same way, and there's often different atmospheres. But you were going to ask a question, so I mean jump in and let's keep going.
0: Well 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 let me let me do that have you ever run or participated in an alpha course what is what what is your what is your experience like what is your participation experience kind of background with it
1: again it's varied hey because i'm so aware of the nature of different kind of and even churches is not careful enough language to be able to explain what's going on the the people often the actual churches you know the groupings the denomination the history of that particular group why they're running alpha where it came from what they're hoping to achieve there's so many things wound up in that experience it's it's difficult to just speak simply about this but there are a number of feelings that i've that i've i've kind of taken away so I was part of running an alpha once, which was specifically aimed at young people. And we aimed at high school kids, 18, 14 to 18. And the whole point of that was to kickstart a youth group. A very clear, sort of superficial reason was to get enough people through the gates who would want to then stick around, you know, <laughs> on, a, on a Friday night and maybe a Sunday morning. But at the same time, I mean, the people that I was running that with, it was a mixture of people who were kind of connected with that goal and intent on the surface. There were others who who I would still to this day describe as people who were seriously intent on and oriented towards the idea of God as person and introducing people to God as person. And, you know, that took place in that in, in that entire kind of atmosphere. It was situated in a church setting. It came out of a specific kind of church service in a church that was more oriented towards kind of experience of God, more open to God as kind of real, as a person, et cetera. But even there, the you know, the lines were often blurred because I, I find... Perhaps the easiest way to say it is, is I'll come across people who are more oriented like that, but the institution itself is or, is often oriented away. So the institution backed this youth alpha because we needed a youth group. It was important. We had to have young people in the church, you know, otherwise that, I mean, that church at that point was just basically going to die in 20 to 30 years when the the. Current generations that were a part of it all, you know, shuffled off this mortal coil. And so we had to get young people in and we had to revive the church, blah, blah, blah. But there were individuals and people involved that had different goals. And so there was was the subculture of this alpha group running, which was already a little bit different to how the rest of the church functioned. And within that, there were further subcultures of individuals who were kind of running under the surface with... uh, you know different goals around actually you know it's a program and all but this is how people get to meet god and so far my experience has been rather consistent in that okay perhaps other than <laughs> that one church that ran it over and over again for the same group of 80 year olds every year um it's that it's, it's that confusing and it's that intric- it's it's that complex in terms of what is actually happening through running something like that. But a couple of things that I remember were things like this experience of God stuff, because a lot of the alpha, what I was trying to explain earlier, and perhaps didn't do exact justice. A lot of it is based on teaching. A lot of it is based on hospitality and welcome and the people that are there connecting with the visitors and the people coming. And there's a lot of emphasis on following up on people, you know, and and showing people that you care and um, making them feel welcome and going the extra mile, et cetera, et cetera. But the actual programmatic sort of um, the course week by week is teaching-based, essentially. Here's some theoretical constructs. If you can agree to those, then you can become a Christian. And then slap bang in the middle of this is this, oh, No, we're all going to go away and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit being something about God that actually moves and connects with people. And we're going to spend an evening doing that together. And those were often at odds with each other because you had the people who very much supported the program and it was easy to follow and it was quite manageable and it was predictable. And then you'd have these individuals that I experienced on a couple of occasions that almost kind of crawled out of the woodwork to talk about God or to facilitate prayer times. Um, I remember in the Anglican Church I was a part of, there were people that you just kind of think, who the hell are you? Where the hell did you come from? But suddenly you emerge with this, this granted status by, you know, you're put at the front of the group and suddenly you're leading this workshop for all the people involved in running the Alpha on how to host conversation with God, how to pray for people, how to you know host the atmosphere where God is welcome and people can become open to God, et cetera. And I realized at the time that those things happened too subconsciously for me. That I didn't investigate them clearly enough because it fell just easily for me within kind of the trajectory of, well, you know, God is real and this is what's going to happen. And it's looking back that I realize that some of those energies were almost at odds with each other. And I realize, you know, consciously, who were these people? Why were they suddenly brought out of nowhere as the experts to do all this stuff? And they got like two opportunities to shine per year (laughs) (laughs) In, in this ministry time space on this course. You know, otherwise they were very well tucked away around the back corner and not allowed to come out and upset people.
0: Well, before before we get into the the, the strangeness and the subculture of it, l- let me just um, volunteer my experience as well, just so that uh, um, <laughs> just, just, just so that I don't sound like just the loon that is criticising this and hasn't got experience with it as well. I was first introduced to alpha in the mid nineteen nineties. Back then, I was. A youth pastor. There's there's often two ways in terms of which Alpha can get pre- presented, and the way it's often presented is people watch a DVD or a video. They watch the the, the speaking as a as a um, you know like this curated package. They watch it as a video, and they have dinner, and then they have conversation around it, and there's worship and all of that kind of thing the church that i was in with my my late friend and and, and mentor he was very much like no no you don't you don't don't do this stuff via dvd you actually you know tim you're going to be the speaker so i got nominated as a speaker and over the years i was the speaker at a number of different alpha courses i was not the the kind of person that could successfully pull it together and do all the admin and all the marketing or anything like that like i i you know i just I, i folded marketing (laughs) Under any circumstance, like, like put me in the back room, (laughs) you know, bring me out to do speaking like I can I can do that. No problem. So 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 we ran it. We ran it several times as a as a a local church very successfully. And as a group of young adults, we grew phenomenally through it. I ended up being invited to be the speaker to, to run it in, in the context of a prison, a high security prison in South Africa. Although there's another church that lays claim to be the first people to run it in a prison, I, I was actually amongst the first two, to do that, together with people that that, that had a ministry in, in Paul's Mall prison, basically. Ministry being that they were the people that went in and they sought the care and the spiritual needs of people and, and they wanted to run it. And so I, I ended up being the speaker in the ladies' section. <laughs> and what was funny is every week going in, the car that was ahead of me would get stopped and they'd do all the mirror check for, you know, explosives and everything underneath, and people would have to get out and they'd check the boot. Then the car that I was in, they'd, they'd smile at me and wave us through, and the car behind, they'd do the whole <laughs> check again. I remember that as an experience. It was actually That was actually quite funny, you know, just in terms of getting to know people, and getting to feel some of the weird status that you get afforded when you get seen as a ministry person, so that that was my that that was that was a weird experience. And then and then I also got I got invited to be the speaker uh, around the same time at one or two other churches that looked to run Alfred. I got to be the speaker at a, a Methodist church out on the Cape Flats as well. I've got first-hand experience of being one of those people, Steve, that you speak about that get brought out (laughs) of the woodwork to suddenly do the specialist activity.
1: They blew the dust off you and you came out.
0: (laughs) Part of my experience as well, and and, and where I cut my teeth in terms of a lot of this ministry stuff is on being the speaker on the weekend away, and then suddenly everything rests on you to do the ministry stuff and perform, and the ministry stuff there being – the event where God is invited to draw near in person, and you're supposed to hear from God for a group of people, and, and, and you've got to facilitate that whole event and, and what happens there. That's really been my window on it. And it actually led me to to recognize that Alpha was particularly effective at working with people that were raised Christian but didn't believe in God. And they'd often benefit the most from it. And I looked at that and said, well, there's a number of people that are, you know, what do we call them? Postmodern. New ages, people have left Christianity. Who decided God didn't exist, and they're searching elsewhere. What do we do? And I, I looked at that and said, actually, we need to do something very different for them because I don't think Alpha is as effective as that, as as what we think it is, because it's predominantly effective in a, um, as I see it in. in in, in a predominantly Christian culture not with people that are more pluralistic in terms of the outlook. Anyway that that was my assistant my my evaluation back then and then I I produced a very different course on the problem of God and a seminar on the problem of God that other people viewed as like a pre-alpha but anyway anyway so that's that's that that's my experience back in the day and I yeah it's it's very scary being that uh, person that's supposed to have that stuff rest on you (laughs) for and you've got to be able to perform and
1: you know, it's easier just to hand the mic over to uh, Uncle Nicky Gumble and let him do his thing on the DVDs. Yes. <laughs> but,
0: uh... I had to memorize the talks, do the talks, you know, make uh, – I put my own spin on it as well. In fact, I've got a very funny story that comes out of, <laughs> out, out of Alpha. The one weekend I was supposed to pick people up to take them to church, but I went away for the weekend and I, I just forgot, completely forgot. And, and you know how you think about like a, like a well-crafted apology – that you've really thought about, and 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 you're really going to stand up there, and you're going to you're going to you're going to apologise to these people. So it was uh Tuesday, or the Wednesday evening, and uh, it was the evening that we ran the ran the Alpha, and I stood up, and I really, I, I sincerely apologised. I said, I'm sorry. I I know that I forgot to pick you know the four or five of you up to bring you." you know, to take you to church, and I didn't communicate, but, you know, I went away for the weekend and it just completely slipped my mind, and you know, we're actually all single people here, and we're not used to picking people up, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and in my mind, I was sincerely apologizing to them, because we are single people, we're not used to picking kids up, or picking people up and fetching them, carrying them to events, right? <laughs> <laughs> and being a bunch of single unmarried people, everyone that I was doing it with me took it as an insult that I said that they were single people that weren't used to bringing people up and couldn't get partners. <laughs> but at first, I didn't understand why people were upset at me. <laughs> it took me ages to discover why. Um, oh, you live and you learn no? <laughs> uh, the, the second story that's funny out of that is is, uh, is 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 my my then mentor was very clear. He said uh, you know whenever you do things like this, you make sure you meet with everyone that's on team with you and doing things like this and you make sure you see them once a month. you know and so so everyone that did that as a, as a course I, uh, I, I ended up meeting everyone one one on one just in the sense that in our modern day and age, pastoral care and any kind of contact like that is few and far between. You know, people are, um, you know, you only see them for problems. You don't see them to get to know them. And there was someone on the course and she was like, I can't go, you know, because I work at this place and um, I couldn't get off work. So I just said to her, well, you know, you're interesting. Why don't I just come meet you at work for a cup of coffee and you can just chat to me in between as you, as you do what you do? And uh, so there I am, as this nineteen-year-old walking around town, asking people for this venue, and everyone is looking at me, very squiff and squonk, like 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 there's something wrong with me, and people are like responding with, "I'm feeling like really cold-shouldered," and I don't know. So one or two people point me in the direction. Eventually, I find it. So I don't know if you if you know the legendary Ballon Rouge in Cape Town as the strip joints. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it turned out that she waitressed there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and and it dawned on me why everyone was looking at me like, like this was a really uncomfortable interaction for them and like, you know, like whatever it was. So I don't remember a word that was said because all I remember was sitting there drinking coffee with my head down realizing that if anyone found out about this I was going to be fired (laughs) because here I am going to the strip joint in the middle of town to go and meet one of the people but I remember conversations with her that followed about how meaningful that was that someone who you know is like a religious person would go and meet her at her work to see how she is and find out about her. <laughs> and anyway, so there were just there were a whole bunch of different dynamics. So there's a lot of dynamics like this that I think that one gets from experience that is just just quite funny. Anyway, for me it was really
1: funny. yes, yeah, 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 and it's irreplaceable unless you actually have that experience itself. it's funny and it's tragic and it's sweet and it's it's all sorts of things all at the same time. Um, is what I hear you saying. But, but tell me a little bit more in terms of your experience as well around, uh, are there any of the similar kind of complexities that you experienced around people and personality and kind of agendas and institution and that sort of stuff when it comes to this kind of ministry time and what are we trying to achieve and what's coming out of it and where does it fit?
0: You know, both from my experience and from observing and interacting with people, um, because Alpha is quite popular in terms of the churches, number of churches that it's run in. It's quite well marketed. And you start seeing dynamics emerge as you, as you engage people. And so, so yes, I've seen in, in churches, in the Vineyard Church that I was in, the Holy Spirit Weekend Away stuff is very well integrated into doing church, which is why you know, we'll get to that next week. But in the context of many other churches, Alpha becomes a subculture. And as you say, there are those people that will just repeat it. And there's a number of reasons why they end up repeating Alpha, and it's largely because the quality of relational engagement and hospitality that they experience on a series like that is only found in a series like that. It's not found in the context of church. But one of the other reasons is if people are looking to experience God immediately, it often only takes place in that environment because because Alpha is the only space where that is curated or it's expected or it's offered and it's only offered on the weekend away. People who experience God in that context end up going to church and saying, well, where do we experience this? Well, the only way to experience it is go back to that subculture. And so many people that are really sold in that kind of experience with God, they get roped into that subculture of doing Alpha and and they get some kinds of tastes and exposure and experience of God in that context, which is often end up ends up being vicarious in the sense of seeing other people having that as a first experience, rather than that being an ongoing or a developing experience for themselves. And and by experience I mean the experience of of the Holy Spirit, the experience of God being real, drawing near in person. So yeah, that's that's often the case. But I'm 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 interested in when you talk about subcultures within the subculture as well of passing that out, that you've got, you've got a lot of thoughts around that. So, so tell me a bit more. About I like,
1: that. I like what you say though, about, um, um, because there's two distinctions distinctions there as well, that, that I've definitely experienced firsthand the idea of people repeat, repeating the program because it is a, it's one place in a, in sometimes quite a cold and sterile religious institution environment for them to experience real person to person, if not intimacy, at least something more resembling closeness and intentional care. And and I think definitely in the traditional church, I think, or Well, I'll start there. Let's put it that way. Let's start. In the traditional church, I think there's far more of a sense of pastoral care coming only from the person dressed up at the front. And I can remember growing up, the idea of, you know, the priest or the minister would meet you at the door of the church and greet everybody. And... You know, if you'd been going there a certain time, you expected to be greeted by name and they would ask you, how's your dog or whatever your leg fell off last week, how you feeling, whatever it might be, you know. And the human to human contact is really centered around moments like those. But I don't remember it being expansive. And I think partly to be fair to the way in which that system is set up is it's because one or two or three people can just simply not, meet all of the relational human to human needs of, let's say you have three people in that sort of ministry space, and there's a 100 people in your congregation, that the ratio of one to 30 odd people is just ludicrous. You, 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 it just doesn't achieve that kind of that experience of closeness. And so that's a very good distinction, because I think people do repeat that. And I think they're repeated for that. And sometimes even, you know, within the Holy Spirit, that vicarious, what they're living through there, even there is watching. You know, I just want to be very clear on this. They're, I get a sense that what they are joining in is the experience of a human being praying for another human being. And again, part of what they're being gifted there is the human to human closeness. The intention, the care. And because any team I've ever been a part of with this kind of program, alpha or anything similar-ish to it, there's a huge drive in the teams towards notice people, greet people, learn names, learn history, learn about their family, um, express interest, care, concern. And you know, the problem with that at a programmatic level is that it becomes quite like clinical, right? Like it's just. Uh, this is just what you have to do to make people feel special, but you're not actually, they're not actually feeling special because that's not what's going on. But there's that. And then there's also the the human to God side thing, which you pull out, which I think is really important because that's also few and far between in many church settings. And I think those two are, are good distinctions, right?
0: Absolutely. I really like the way you you note those two. That on one hand we've got the human to human side, which is tremendously vital, and the other hand we've got the human to God side. In fact, in fact, something that you that you see happening as well is is um, in some of the alpha subcultures, you you end up with a group of people that are really maximising and majoring on the human to God side, as though the, the special encounter is 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 so primary. And then you often end up with a church culture that goes, "Hang on." Like that's not really what we're about when we're doing church and so i've come across churches that actually look to take the holy spirit encounter stuff out that go we love alpha we love that it reaches people and brings people in but this experiencing god stuff has got to go and and there's some measure of irony to that in a religion that's about a personal god that says engagement with that personal god is a thing that's actually got to go for us to accept this course in the subculture and i mean if you appreciate irony there's an appreciation there's a lot to appreciate there so (laughs) so yes but what you're highlighting when it comes to the human to human side is actually just so vital that that often the human to human contact side is so few and far between people often arrive at church wanting a community and end up realize they're just part of an audience and it's a question like what are they looking for well they've got to make friends to be integrated but there's a there's a dividing line whereas whereas you narrow that gap in these smaller specialized activities like alpha where that team is really as a team looking to be hospitable and it's not resting on one person like the speaker and and it's especially not resting on the dvd the dvd is never going to be greeting people right so (laughs) so that actually enables the human to human because in some senses it democratizes everyone's participation
1: i like that and you know we've we've been visiting this 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 far more sort of modern variety of church recently. So it's definitely not within the traditional church. It comes out of the Hillsong stable, in terms of where the plant comes from. And in some ways, you have a have a similar kind of feeling, right? In that I like how you saw how you talk about people become part of an audience rather than a community. So there's very much a me standing in the audience facing the front, and so there's very much a. a A forward connection, me to whoever's on stage, or me to the band or me to whoever's preaching that time or hosting or whatever. But there's very little lateral movement in terms of me to the people around me. And, and often, that's not highly prioritized. But what I have found that churches like that do quite well in the human to human, is I think they're far more tuned in outside of the program time, Towards the idea of you know, people coming in, and we've got to make them feel welcome and greeted, and all the rest of that stuff. And some churches do it quite well, and some less so. And so, you know, this church that we visited the first the first time we were there, someone engaged us, but because that was there was some really weird kind of family connection that that happened. The next time, we stood around quite awkwardly <laughs> around uh, the coffee table, just my wife and I, and just being ignored. And at some point I said, to it, do you see that guy over there? Like he is busy in the grips of the, the kind of the, the hospitality climate of this ch- climate of this church. But he doesn't really know what to do about it because I could see him eyeballing us. And every now and then he'd kind of stare and then he'd look away. But he didn't leave our proximity. And I thought, well, maybe it's just the language issue because we're in a different language context and my wife and I were talking English. But I could see him wrestling with this idea of like new people must greet new people, must go up, make (laughs) make new people feel welcome, etc. But he just it didn't feel like he could bring himself to do that. And then our third visit was very different. We had about three different people, like high intensity. How are you? You're new, nice to meet you. But what's also interesting from, from that perspective is that, that has a that has a sell by date, right? It just it can be very intense to start with. And as soon as you've been new and greeted a few times, the relational contact diminishes. And so then also I find that churches like that, people will move into that sort of more programmed area to find the human-to-human. But similar to what you're describing. I I don't always find that the human to divine relationship is prioritized in terms of that. And and it is far more of a teaching area. And it is far more of a conceptual, as we said before, just it's a faith statement thing. And I can remember being part of one of these courses that I was I was sort of co running with was a team of us, this alpha. And at the beginning of the course, in all the planning and when we got started, we had an Alpha, we had a Holy Spirit weekend away planned. And the closer we got to it, it became a, okay, well, we won't leave Friday afternoon, people are busy, you know, it's difficult, we'll go away Saturday morning, we'll return Sunday afternoon. Then it became a... No, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Maybe we'll just go away Saturday late afternoon and come back Sunday morning in time for the church service on the, you know, at the venue. And the closer we got, it just diminished further and further. (laughs) And in the end, we had, I think, two and a half hours on a Saturday morning at a venue somewhere, <laughs> which not even at the church itself. It was at some really weird kind of sterile venue, which didn't bother me so much as it's just it was an interesting choice for the church. It didn't even happen on the property. Um, and so it was so pushed to the periphery that it wasn't even prioritized as a, as, as a part of the program to happen on the church's property. And all the other evening things of this alpha had actually happened on the church property. So interesting. Whatever it was, there was flower arranging, or Morris dancing, or I don't know, God knows what, but that one on the Saturday morning, and we got squeezed out into some, some other venue somewhere, some school hall somewhere in the, in the neighborhood. And it's so interesting to see, you know, just put your money where your mouth is, and you realize really quickly, the money's gone into the human to human and the teaching element. And and that for me is like, I get the irony that you're talking about, but it's also quite sad for me, in terms of what's on the table, both in the manner in which it's presented, you know, kind of the atmosphere created, and then what actually happens down to the minute by minute basis as you move through the course and over that weekend, is the emphasis is completely off the idea of a God that you can be connected with and is completely on a community that you can plug into and a set of beliefs that you can ascribe to.
0: That's very clear on one hand but I think the other thing that that comes out there I guess is the level of discomfort that teams have that are very excited about that as an idea but as it gets closer and closer to the event or the experience the degree of chickening out starts taking place. And by that, I mean one can be excited about the idea of experiencing God and participating in that kind of setting and environment. But if you're not familiar with what that means and the pressure rests on you, what do you do? How do you actually make that happen if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing and what it's supposed to look like? And I think in many situations that actually ends up being the case, which is is where, where, where I ended up Going as the alpha speaker to one or two other churches and being invited to go and be their speaker because I was I was known for the experiencing God stuff. So they're like, well, we want to run Alpha. We need someone that can speak and we need someone that knows how to do this ministry stuff. We'll import someone for that. And then that's at odds with doing, with, with the actual church environment. I remember the one the one church uh, in particular that they thought that they just had a particular troubled member in. In, in the group and I remember when we did the Holy Spirit thing I was like oh yeah that guy's possessed I know what this is let me go sort that out and uh, the person's like their life just completely changed around their whole tone everything changed their attitude changed they just they became a one of those Jesus junkies overnight basically <laughs> and I remember meeting with the elders and the leaders of this church and they were like we've been in ministry for 40 years we've never seen anything like this like what's going on here we just thought this was a troubled person and I was like how did you? How did you not know that they were demonized, like you know, possessed, like whatever words that one wants to use? And anyway, back then I was, I was I was much younger and much less experienced. And I remember fielding questions while at the same time fe- fe- feeling out of my depth back in the day in terms of how to how to best and most wisely answer that. It was a stark reality check for me. It was it was a sharp reality check for me when you've got a team of elders and leaders like that that have been running a church for so long and been in ministry for so long and they're basically going we've never experienced god like this and then when when alpha is over they return to experiencing and doing church like they've always done they don't integrate that Mm. you know so it's a bit of an aside but i just i just wanted to pick up on that and, and throw that out there
1: no, I think that's look. Like, that's really important because there's something I've been mulling over that I was going to bring up a bit later, and I'm not entirely sure how to structure it. But I think that points in that direction. So I'm just going to go with that now, and let's let's see how it gets there. It has something to do with the idea of eldership, maturity, um, and the direction. I think that that gives to potentially individuals and communities over time so one of the things i do remember being kind of jarring was so specifically in my in my work with young people i remember going from a holy spirit weekend into an evening church service on the sunday with young people teenagers 14 to 18 year olds who had this one kid, he's, I'll never forget this moment. He walked out of this little chapel venue we were using on this camp that we went away on. And he walked out and he was like vibrating. And his eyes were like, I've never seen a kid with eyes that wide. And he just walked up to me and he hugged me. And he just went, Whoa, what was that? <laughs> he was like, That just, it blew his socks off. And it was such a tangible experience of God that night that we had with those kids. It was unbelievable. And we went out of that into a Sunday evening service. And you could, it was just just this jarring experience of them coming. They were like hyper and excited, and they were buzzing. And it was kind of inconvenient. <laughs> To, to so many people at this church. It was kind of like, can't you guys just tone it down a bit? like, it's not why we came here. It it was as if, I think this is what I'm trying to grab my, put my head around it. That's why it's it's possibly so it's easier to explain when I talk about teenagers. It's what it it's it's as if it's as if a young teenage couple who've been dating for a month and have just had their first kiss go to an adult's house. And those people have been married for 20 years. And they walk in buzzing. They've just had this amazing experience of connection. And the adults go, yeah, you're young. What do you know? Like, that'll fade in time. Yeah, you know? And there's this jaded cynicism around, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were all there once. But just wait until you really grow up. And, and that's the sense of growing up and maturity that I'm fascinated by, because the message seems to be a okay, bit like at some point you'll become like us and you'll just settle. I'm going to switch and switch now out of the analogy. You'll just settle into just going to church, singing some songs, listening to someone speak, take communion, don't take communion, take up an offering, whatever's part of that, and ob around a bit, have some coffee, maybe go to a Bible study, maybe you super invested in doing part of the program, maybe you're not, maybe you serve on a bunch of teams, eldership, whatever it is, you go home and and yeah, perhaps you you read your Bible every day, and perhaps you pray, and perhaps you you are super invested in the system, perhaps you're less, but it's this real jaded cynicism of oh, yeah, I I might have had an experience once, or I might have had something, or perhaps I never had that, and I don't really know what it is, and switch back into the analogy, now it was an arranged marriage, or we got married, or I didn't really love them, but I settled, or whatever it might be. And now I'm 20, 30 years in, and I'm just looking at this and going, don't come here with your stupid excitement and tip up my apple cart. And, and that's where it's so difficult, because I'm using a very simple explanation for something that's just quite broad. There are a number of reasons why people would respond like that and why they would reach that point of, of cynicism or jadedness, I suppose, being jaded. And I've never forgotten. It's just so jarring. It's, it's, and that's what, so that's partly, and I'll, I'll park that and come back to it. That's partly what creates subculture, right? You come in with this, wow, wow, wow. And you're told, Shh, sit down, shut up, stand in line. Don't do that. We don't do that here. That's not important. Whatever the message is. And so that goes underground, right? Because of, well, we've got to go celebrate that somewhere else. Then I'll pick that up again, or we can pick that up just now. But what I was thinking of was, so where are the unjaded the non-cynics, where are those older people, you know, you're talking about this church experience with these elders oh, we've been in church 40 years, whatever, whatever, we've never dealt with something like that. Where are those people who are actively involved in a community like that, who are visible, who are available, who are leading by example, what does it mean to, pro- to, to progress from that and I hope I hope this is followable, because I'm kind of just fluidly moving back and forth between the analogy and the reality. Where are those people that go, wow, your first kiss? Oh, I can remember that. That was so special. Without going, oh, that'll be everything. It'll always be like that. Because it doesn't, it grows, right? And it it matures. It doesn't necessarily mellow. It doesn't mean that there aren't moments of relational connection and excitement throughout 20 years of a of a marriage or a deep relationship with another human being, right? But it doesn't always feel the same as it did when you were 16, things change. Responsibilities grow, your life experience, wisdom, all those sorts of things, you know what I mean? Like something happens, but but there should be a trajectory that takes you along that relational path that you can go, oh, yes, I remember that first kiss. And that can be welcomed and encouraged and, you know, Accepted, etc. So, does that make us kind of sense? When I'm fumbling around there in terms, yeah, of...
0: no, no, I think I think I think you're absolutely right. Because on one hand, what we what you have is you, you actually have the the church or the community that is actually the host to the subculture or the ministry that is then hosting other people and bringing them in, and 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 you end up with the subculture because because you've got such stark contrasting experiences. In the one, you've often got jaded responses, and you don't have any platform for that kind of experience of God. And then in the subculture, you've got people talking about life-changing experiences, encounters with God. The experience is, is recognized, it's validated, it's supported, it's celebrated. And so it is very understandable that someone that has that life-changing experience goes into a, a different environment, gets cold-shouldered, and says, I want to go back to that subculture. Because it's about, it's not just about the rejection of the experience, it's about the rejection of them as a person. They're you are not welcome here with your excitement. You are not welcome here with your stories. Keep them to yourself. We don't, we don't, that's not actually what we do here. And so, so you partly end up with that subculture because the reason why Alpha is being run is to get the people in. What's getting the people in is actually their encounter with God. Yes, there's a lot to the human to human side. There's a lot to the soft introduction to church side that is actually a part of that. Yes, there is. But that's not as essential as the human to divine encounter. And then when they say, yeah, I'm in, well, what does being in look like? It looks like you go to church, you serve faithfully in church. And in fact, what follows on from the Alpha Course in terms of where to from here, it's it's what about the church? What do we, you know, and and that's the next step, even within the course itself. After having had this experience with God, now it's time to go to church, <laughs> you know. And, um, and the churches that people go to either have problems with this, the the experience of God in that environment, or, as you say, they they cold shoulder it. It becomes that classic, oh, it will fade. And it's not celebrators going, oh, what a wonderful point of departure. It's like, yeah, that's over. There's no hope for you. <laughs> Here's where your passion for God comes to die. <laughs> and then your faith will be complete.
1: You know, like my direct experience of, well, yes. <laughs> my, but my, yeah, no resurrection possible. Like, so, so my very personal experience is that I can count probably on the fingers of one hand how many people that I have looked up to over the years As somebody that I would go to and tell about my first kiss, who took it seriously. People who are willing to mentor, acknowledge, walk with me in terms of the experience of God stuff. The bulk of people either, (laughs) like number of reactions, right? Like you get the very like glassy-eyed smile and nod, like, is he going to stop talking any moment now? And just go away, because I don't know what to do with this. This is weird. And you think, but what the hell? You've, you've been part of this church for system forever, or you're a minister, or you're a priest, or you're a pastor, or you're an elder, or whatever, like, and here am I telling you that God spoke to me. Oh, okay. That, that's nice, Steve. Okay, stop saying that now. You know, or there's the active, as you say, the very, very active conscious. No, we don't do that here. No, no you need to go and read your Bible, or you need to chase doctrine, or you need to go and serve you, whatever it might be. Um, it's very few and far between that I could have pointed out in my 20 years. Someone who's been willing to take that on and go, that's amazing. Tell me more. What else are you experiencing? What are you growing into with God? How is it, How has your interactions with God changed over the last five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years? Um how are you growing up further and further into more maturity of a relationship with God? What You know, whatever that might be. Um, and, and even there, like that subculture of subculture of subculture is difficult to find. And that's where, like those people that you were talking about, and I think I sort of, yeah, vaguely pointed at earlier, like those people are pulled out of a dusty cupboard for an alpha weekend and suddenly going, quickly, let's listen to... Barry's story about whatever and his encounter with God. And you too can have this. And then afterwards, you're like, hey, where's Barry? Barry who? What are you talking about? We don't know Barry. <laughs> and you're like, but but I want to talk to Barry because like I experienced something similar to Barry, and I need to talk to someone who has some experience like you know, that can relate to what's going on. No, we don't have a Barry here. But what we do have is next week's topic, what about the church? that 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 no longer scratches where it itches. like it's interesting, because going into that weekend, all the teaching stuff can kind of you know roughly scratch in the right spaces. But none of that suffices when you've actually had an experience with God. And perhaps that's why it's minimized more and more and more because it's it's yeah, it's easier to just work with the 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 teaching modules. And to kind of go with that, and, and just allow that to just sort of, I don't know, blandly scratch the surface, and then you join the church community.
0: Well, well, the other the, the the other part of the narrative there that's that's really important to highlight is that because church is such a teaching culture, the teaching is put forward as being life teaching, life changing. It's a teaching that is significant. If you take a look. Back in history, a lot people celebrated as though it was their teaching that was significant. I mean, um, you know, John 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 Edwards with the uh, you know the, the the Great Awakening, like, man, that guy's preaching was powerful. You can take your same sermon, preach it in a different context, it's going to have zero effect. We've got this narrative around teaching and life-changing teaching being essential and the teaching is so essential and that, that it doesn't enable us to really get into what is happening when people experience God. In many situations as well, a lot of the resistance is to the resistance of the excesses and the craziness in other movements. We don't want to be like those other people, we're hearing similar reports on Alpha. I mean, my goodness, someone screamed, someone fell over. This happened, that happened. Oh, my people claiming to prophesy. You know, we've been doing church for 20 years. We've never seen someone prophesy. We've never seen someone healed. You're claiming this in a subculture. Can this be real? So so we actually have a a, a church culture that predominantly does not experience God as a, in any tangible way in any immediate sense, where the the place that it takes place is is purely within people's inner reflection, not in terms of an actual human, person to person engagement. And I think that's part of what fuels the problem. But I think the other thing that ends up being a problem is that many people that are running churches are delivering religious goods and services but they don't experience a certain kind of spiritual gifting or a certain kind of spiritual authority or a certain kind of experience of God's person and work and so for them it's a question of going I don't do this they do that there you know how comfortable I? do I want to do that kind of stuff well I don't want to do that we don't want to be a church that does this weird prophecy stuff that we see those other charismatics and Pentecostals doing and, and this starts all this starts sounding like it's touching on that. So let's shut it down. And I think along those lines, to me what this does, what this highlights to me is how conflicted Christianity is about experiencing God. And how conflicted or I should say, how much God drawing near in person to speak and act disrupts doing church and actually gets in the way of doing church. And, and what does that mean? Because, yeah, I mean, just before this, you were commenting on how people want to include this kind of thing. But then you end up with a program. And the question of the program dominates. Do we really want to give priority to this or not? And I think I think when it comes to the weekend away, the question then becomes for many people is, do we want to give priority to this? And a lot of churches say, no. We actually want Alpha. We want the people coming in. But we don't want to give priority to this experiencing God's stuff because it creates a subculture or creates tension within the church.
1: Yeah, it's interesting hey? and and like sometimes it seems to be kind of a ugh, well, like the end justifies the means, sort of begrudging uh, acceptance, right? It's like oh, okay, fine, guys yeah, can do that, but uh, you know, if if that's what it's going to take to to get the people really hooked and to stay, well, fine, but. The You know, it's fascinating to me, oh, it's too complex. I'm trying to just oh, figure it out. <laughs> like you get this lead into this weekend and the lead out of the weekend. And if I, if I went and I just cut out, just stick it in some editing software and go and cut out the weekend out of the middle, you don't notice the change often for me and my experience in consistency in terms of what's happening in the program. So what you have is a very slow start of sort of overt, sort of very Christianese, Christiany, Christiany kind of stuff. It's very just lasagna and salad and welcome and it's nice to see you. And um, oh yo, oh, we're we're in a church building. Oh, who knew? Oh, <laughs> everyone go and have a seat. Oh, we're not gonna pray, don't worry. Oh, look, a DVD oh, maybe we should watch that for 20 minutes. And it's very soft, slow intro, and it grows over time. And eventually they'll, oh, you know, this is some of the things that we do here every now and then. We sing a song. You you know music. You have music where you come from. We do too. Okay, we're going to sing a song. And then they introduce a little bit of worship. And then somebody says a prayer. And very slowly, it just kind of builds in the background to being more ostensibly Christian. And into the weekend, it's kind of similar. And out of the weekend, same thing few more songs may be introduced, a little bit more, thank you, God, goodbye, God, at the beginning and end. Same lasagna and salad and watch a DVD. And then there's often a discussion group, which I didn't, didn't mention earlier. There's a very intentional focus on a small group, kind of unpack the talk, debrief, ask questions, answer questions. What do you think? What do you think? Sort of space. And I think there's an equal weighting there uh, in my experience between the very relational and the more cerebral, the actual just, you know, think through the doctrinal faith position. But if you cut the weekend out of the middle, I don't think you'd notice a change, really, by and large, that thing just flows in and out, and you're done. And then hopefully, you know, you agree enough that you join the church and then kind of carry on. But in certain churches, and with certain teams, there's this undercurrent that I've noticed, and it gets stronger and stronger as the weekend gets closer. And if you cut that weekend out, that course wouldn't be the same because those people in that subculture are pushing from before the course starts. They're the ones, like in my experience, I remember being told, hey, we're going to we're gonna meet every Tuesday morning. We're going to get up at half past four and we're going to meet at the church at five every morning. And we're going to spend an hour together praying. And this wasn't like, go through some kind of lame hoops, jumping through prayers. These were people that really expected to meet with God on that Tuesday morning, every morning. Sometimes there were just two of us, but that led into the program and that was running all the time. There was this expectancy of this weekend coming. And there's this weird tension, which is what I'm trying to describe between what I understand the program, which runs so different atmospherically to the weekend, because the rest of the program, if you cut the weekend out, you there's, it's, it's kind of baked into the lasagna, the talk about God. But it's never kind of you might hear something from God while you bite through your lasagna. Or you might actively meet this thing while listening to the DVD, or in the small group, or in the car park, or whatever. And that suddenly erupts in the weekend often. Right. And and so if you cut that out, you wouldn't notice the difference. But then you have this weird subgroup that I'm talking about that are expecting somehow that maybe one Tuesday evening you walk out into the car park and something happens, or at work something happens, or you're on your way and something happens, or whatever. And that there but it's often at odds with, you know, the program is just not shame. I'm sorry, Nikki Gumbel, who's the author of this whole thing to kind of just crap all over your program. But I think just, you know, the, the, that, that marketing maxim, the medium is the message, just lets it down there. It's so programmatic that there's not enough of a focus on the personhood of God, the personhood of this Holy Spirit can break out at any point. And it's not only confined to this weekend. And if you remove the weekend, you remove the personhood of God. And I've discovered people, right, that are through that get they get that thread throughout the length and breadth of this. But
0: I mean, you you're really highlighting that that there's some people that get that, but then that's that's not given in a focused way. It's almost like you can expect something to happen, but you don't know what God can speak to you, but we don't we can't quite tell you how. You're supposed to just know it when it happens, right? In some ways, yeah, yeah. And then there's the sense that. On this weekend and especially in the one session you're going to have a very particular experience of God and what does that look like that looks like the language of the spiritual gifts and that takes place in the context of of worship and takes place in the context of quote-unquote a time of ministry and meeting with God you know after a session you know while everyone's looking to experience God and it's um, and there's a clear face-to-face encounter for many people in that and, and often those groups that are praying, their prayers are not directed towards a an ambient or a more expansive view of God. It's actually about that weekend. They're, they're fasting and praying and looking towards the encounters that are going to happen on that weekend because that's the life-changing event.
1: Yeah, that's definitely been part of my experience. I think what I'm trying to isolate is there's one particular team that I can remember that I worked with that had, I think a broader view of what was going on, than just that weekend. But I do think what you're saying tracks with a lot of my other experiences that, and, and in a way, I kind of understand it, because kind of setting the scene for an introduction, sometimes I feel like perhaps that's almost natural in a way. But if it's so stuck in the program, that that's the only way, you know, then I immediately see the the fault there. But so I guess I'm just being generous in some ways, some of the other times, it's it's focused around the weekend. But there is one specific team, in my experience, that had a more expansive view around, you know, God is not locked into that weekend or not locked into a worship time and definitely is not some sort of mysterious like, well, something might happen. We don't know what or when or how and, you know, no one could talk about it or take it any further but I think I, I isolate that experience because for me it's it's such a powerful reminder, reminder that there's often a subculture within the subculture, <laughs> within the subculture within sometimes, you know, of just there are individuals that I've come across that seem r- completely sold out for the idea, similar to what, if not exactly the same, what kind of what you and I are sort of arguing towards. This idea that you can meet God and God could meet you and God wants to. And you could want to meet God, and that could really happen. Doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, in an ambassadorial setting. Doesn't have to be, can't, you know. It's not that it could only happen with a member of the team. You know, it, it could happen at any point, and that this powerful God wants to make itself known, and perhaps this course is a vehicle for that. Also, perhaps not. You know, we're not so sold on the actual course that that's the power play. And those people I think that I find I find that experience to be really special and also very sad because it's so it's such a small part of my experience over 20 years. And often those people were were quite they were very much on the periphery in so many of the church systems. I think in terms of what we've been talking through, there's, it's natural as to why that is, because I don't think the system does well with people, no, let me just be careful. I wanna say, I don't think the system does well with people like that at the center. I think the system in a way sustains itself by keeping people like that out of the center and occasionally allowing them a bit closer for its own good, but keeps, it very, keeps them very much at arm's length because they're a danger to the system in the same way that I think God is a danger to the system. And so there's a lot of language towards the ministry time being important, the weekend, the Holy Spirit, blah, 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 blah. You know, and Nicky Gumbel himself is even quite almost apologetic in his language, as I remember, and how he, he talks about kind of like the poor cousin of the Trinity and the Holy Spirit, and no one really knows and talks about, but it is real, etc. And it's kind of like, well, you know, it's kind of there, and, and and it's amazing, and we kind of have to deal with it in the same breath. <laughs> it's really weird. Um but the but the system doesn't thrive on that.
0: There, what we what we end up with is is really recognizing that that you can have a very popular course like this that is actually structured to include that, and then there's limitations that come into play, given the culture of churches and the development of subcultures. So that that happens on one hand, and then and then where where you end up with a lot of tension often is between the experience of god that people are looking for that then can become limited to that subculture alone especially when the church doesn't isn't welcoming of that and doesn't want that and churches can often try to shut that down as well i've seen that in a number of different places where they basically want to shut down and, and and argue that there's no special experience of God because everyone here was born a Christian and therefore has always known God and therefore there's no meeting God because you've always known. You know it gets into a weird convoluted convoluted thing. Like stepping past that I think it's important to recognize that, that many people really do experience God and that that experience is valid. Ooh what could come across from this is discussions that we're criticizing that we're saying we shouldn't have that i think we i i think i just want to just put it on record that i think we should have that i think that the ambassadorial stepping forward is 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 very important we do need to include that kind of component we do need to welcome it we do need to develop it we do need to encourage it um and so so but i also want to then be clear and say that uh, that because it is so important, I think it's therefore very important that we've got to recognize the tension between the environments that actually are set against it, because you've got these, these, these Christian environments that are against that experience of God. And I think that is a problem. So getting into the meta, getting into the paradigm, I'm going to get into the underlying roots as to going, why is that a problem? Um, because that's really the problem that we're dealing with. And I think that touching on that then starts touching on why it's really hard to set forward and encourage a healthy relational spirituality that actually rests on the immediacy of God, because that's what's missing. So, so I feel like what's, what's phenomenal about Alpha is that at its best, it's a genuine engagement with a real living and divine person that becomes present in that event and setting to meet people and then withdraws afterwards. I think at its best that's fantastic. Even at its best that takes place within context where people go actually we're not sure about this. We as the broader church, we as the people that are welcoming those people in, we're going to look down on your experience and we're basically going to say yeah, you've had that. That's cool. Just give it a few years; it'll fade. Soon, you're going to be soon, you're going to be just like us, jaded, embittered, disillusioned, <laughs> never having had that, settling just on faith, faith alone. Because you know what? We don't prioritize experience. We don't trust experience. We don't chase phenomenal experience. So, and and you know what? We've got no practice of that in in what we do when we do church. So you can have that on Alpha, and and you've got our permission to go have it there, off-site, away from the main events. But when you get here, we don't play that game. That's not what we're here for. And yet, the reason why people are transitioning into church is because that's exactly what they're signing up for. They're having a life-changing encounter with God and going, this is what I want more of. This is the engagement that has transformed my life. This is where I've meaningfully encountered God as being real. Yes, I love the community. I I perhaps have a good experience of this as a subculture. Um, Surely going to church is going to be more of this, right? everyone's going to be hospitable like they were and I'm going to experience God in this environment like I did then.
1: I'm, I'm sort of leaving a little bit of space open for different experience between you and I um, and I, I don't know if you would disagree with me or not but I, I think there's definite elements of people who sort of aggressively opposed. I think for, in my experience, there's definitely elements of people who are also just deeply confused or fearful by it and i think that can also come across as and that's possibly a larger issue well. yeah i i i think i've had i think i've had few but very clear kind of specific kind of no we don't do that here that's not who we are who do you think you are look down on you ha 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 experience you'll grow up one day but I, but uh, I guess that, that's still kind of it's open for me as as to whether like the general populace and within church are also feeling that, or whether what I what I've also come up against, perhaps even more commonly, is actually just some fear, or confusion, or just a complete lack of a of a of a handle to be able to approach what I'm talking about, and so those things are far more easily relegated to yeah okay well. What the hell is that? Or, or whatever. And I think that can come across as well. One day you'll be jaded as me or, or you know, look, looking down. And so like, that's definitely part of what I was explaining earlier in terms of the couples analogy is definitely tracks with with some of what you're saying around. Yeah, you know, one day you'll get it like we do. Um, But I, I, I guess I would also want to put on the table that it may be unfair to just label to broadly well, you know, everyone's being a dickhead, basically, about this. I think there are, I think it's safe to say that there are enough people, there's enough of a quorum (laughs) in, in churches that don't completely know why they're there. What keeps them there. And I think if they were pushed would be closer to the, you know, well, whatever it's like something to do on a Sunday or we've always done that or my parents did that or you know there's nice people here or I like to be able to serve or you know and, and then you get to like some of the more sort of ego-ridden spaces of like well I'm a steward or I'm a leader or I'm an elder and I'm important you know so it it feels some sense of needing to belong but also needing to feel important like I'm doing something and people look up to me and as similar kind of reasons as to why people join rotary clubs and Country clubs and all that other sort of crap, right? So it's just there's a number of reasons why people are there, and I and I think there's a vast amount of people in churches who don't actually know what the hell they're doing there. Um, and if pushed, would go, yeah, you know, I've never really thought it through. And so that's part of why I think this sort of stuff is held at arm's length as well. Um, but I don't think you're wrong. I'm just sort of I wanted to put that into the pot as well. Is For whatever those reasons are, it's obviously not welcome. And I think my take on systems at the moment is that systems are created by groups of individuals and so are sustained by groups of individuals. And so it is an energy that comes from enough people acting or not acting in a certain direction that sustains the momentum of the system. And so the momentum of this system is by enough people going either, you know, for whatever their reasons are, it sort of conflates in in the energy, which is, we don't want that here. Stay on the periphery. Whether it's it's not true, or it's scary, or, you know, we tried it once and it never came back. Whether it's um, jaded and disheartened, whether it's cynical, whatever it might be. I think that grouping together, Falls under the umbrella of no, 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 not here, and that's where you do find those little subcultures and those individuals, like yourself and me to a certain extent, um, and others. Very few others that I've come across who will describe their times in churches. Oh, I just don't kind of don't fit in, or I think differently to people. And and again, I know that those are some umbrellas which encompass a number of different things, but. The resonance I have found with people who think and speak like I do, and I think was partly what's connected you and I, is very much that this thing is real. (laughs) Like, Why is no one talking about this? Why is no one taking this seriously? This is frustrating. This is saddening. This is maddening. Whatever. And how can you not see? Like, it was this way one day and that way the next day. How do you explain that? How, you can't tell me that Nicky Gumbel's DVD did that. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, You've watched it, I, have I don't you? I not believe Steve? it. It's <laughs> the yeah. Bless his heart. Enough times that I don't want to see them again. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and there's an element to this. There's a vertical element to human to divine that is just inescapable. And yet for many numbers of people within churches and leaderships, especially, I think, are sort of big protagonists in this, that just will not or cannot see this for a number of reasons. And it's maddening at times. Um, It it really is. And perhaps on top of that, perhaps this is also very helpful, because I I think this has just been kind of just tiptoeing around in the background, trying to get my attention. Part of the reason it's so maddening is because I feel my language appropriated to describe something that's not actually there in reality. I think that's part of it. What, what do you is mean by it, that? So on the surface, the Spirit weekend is important. Of course, we're going to pray and we're going to expect God, and we're going to—you know—that language changes from denomination to denomination, or you know, church flavor to church flavor, but on the surface god is real and god is alive and god is active and god came out of the grave and all, all this sort of language is there but when you really push no that's not actually important we don't really follow through on that and i think that's a that's a difficult to to handle peace sort of a, a finding that's i think has emerged out of some of our conversations with with some people on this podcast is that's some of my sense that I'm holding lightly at the moment, but when pushed, the answer is it's not as real as the human to human, or it's not as necessary as the human to human, or you know the sociological impact, or the psychological impact, or our belonging, or our function, or whatever it might be, there's a number of things there. But overlaid, there's a veneer of God and godliness and prayer and you need to be a God person and blah, blah, blah. And I just feel sometimes like my finger pokes through that quite easily. And then I go, yeah, but you see, but that's bullshit. So why are you using this language that I feel like I'm using it? That that, that, that feels disingenuous. And, and it's actually quite maddening because it would be easier if you just said, actually, we're just trying to create another social club that has to do with making people feel welcome and valued and like 100% I'm with you on that absolutely that's so important for our shared humanity but don't tell me then that we're going to do the Holy Spirit weekend because it's super critical around you know meeting the Holy Spirit. I can see the metrics on that like it's very clear. So yeah I don't know if that's
0: well y- yes that's clear I feel enough. like the, the language of values, priorities and practices ends up being quite helpful. Because if we work from that and say people really value God and the idea of God and experience of God, right? And you go, okay, cool. Well, let's let's take a look. What does it look like when we prioritize it? No, well, when we prioritize it, we, we actually make time for it to practice it. We actually include it, it's part of what we do. Okay, cool. So let's take a look at the practices. So we've got 13 weeks. Or 13 sessions it works out as, as as 11 weeks because you know two or three of those sessions take place over one weekend and out of those 13 sessions one session has this okay so if we work back from practices we can see that this isn't as big a priority because we only have this time of experiencing God this way in one session out of 13 mm. and if we only have it in one session out of 13, then we can't really have it as a value, or at least it's not a key value, even though this does happen. Because people always respond, and they go to you, you can't say that we don't do this because it happens. So I say, well, yeah, it does happen. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's a priority or a value, right? And it it, it isn't even a practice, because it's a once off thing as part of this, this subculture let's now move over to the doing of church and what happens when people you know sign up i've done this course steve i'm in I had the holy spirit weekend right baptize me make me a Member swipe my credit card (laughs) or apple pay (laughs) and depending on how modernized you are i mean aog you're probably going to do apple pay where you're going right (laughs) (laughs) absolutely (laughs) right sign me up for that cool okay so so yeah i had a great experience with god where we practiced that i mean this like like we're, we're we're in a church now right this is all about experiencing god right god is valued this is Got to be prioritized right so we've got to practice this okay so where does this happen? Oh no worship okay cool I'm I'm in like where's God okay no, preaching okay no I'm in coffee oh wait hang on where's the practice where's the priority and so when I take a look at that then then I've got to say in terms of the language of values priorities and practices is there a value for the presence of God? We can say that there is okay cool. We can all agree that there is. We we can value that in any number of different ways. Very happy with that. It's hard to judge a value. OK, is this prioritized? I mean, we'd say that. I mean, we do worship. Worship is about God. We preach. preachings about God. You know, we do these other ministries. We serve the poor. We're involved in politics. You know, a whole bunch of things. So yeah, you know, in and through that. OK, so prioritized, uh, certainly. I mean, we all say it's a priority, this experience of God thing, this hearing from God thing. Now, where is this practiced? It's not immediately practiced this is actually the answer that we get to. And so then if we work back, if we walk in and we go, okay, let's look at the practices, there isn't a practice of the presence of God. That's the equivalent of that session on the Alpha course.
1: And and the rest of the time is it's supposedly tassi- it's, it's tacitly there. That's what I think the message is. But, but God is, is there through all the other weeks. God is there in the services, in the worship, in the preaching, etc. And it's almost borrows from that wisdom tradition of the, the constant presence of, of God. But... but it's presented as if it is. I think that's what really frustrates me. That's that kind of tacit edge, right? Like if you think of the spiritual practices, so serving the poor, right? So it's valuable to God that we treat the rest of God's children in a good way. And so reaching out to those of our brothers or sisters who belong to God as much as we do, who are in need, is a way in which we serve God. I'm with you 100% still. That's the way we love God. Well, I mean, that's a way to love God, in the same way that if my partner sees me treating my children well, then that's a way that I love my partner, because I acknowledge that they're also her children. But that's not a direct, you know, like it is and it isn't. But it, but it's more indirect than it is direct. So silence sit in silence together. We've unpacked that already at length, the idea of the intimacy involved in silence or not. Solitude. Cool. Well, the only thing I can think of relationally there is that sometimes my partner needs some space. So I have to go <laughs> off in solitude. That's good for them. It's good for me. Right? So, but that that's not an active sort of withdrawing to be with someone because that's the solitude. You don't just withdraw Not necessarily withdrawing from God in solitude. You're withdrawing to just be you and God. So that is a very face-to-face thing, solitude. It's not just to be on your own. What else have we got? Fasting. Okay. So my partner and I give up social media. But in the time that we gain from doing that, we still ignore each other. So that practice doesn't stimulate our relationship, but give up social media for a week, and we pour that time into sitting with each other talking with each other, you know, creating experiences, that's very different. What else have we got? Giving, you can give with somebody, you can go with somebody and donate some of your money, you can give time with somebody, you can give to each other. You know, but we've got to be clear on what's indirect giving towards the other person that they appreciate and what's an actual direct giving. And, and I think if we walk through all of those spiritual practices, and the disciplines, etc, from a with a relational lens, there's a there's a marked difference between this kind of tacit, like, yeah, kind of God's just always around and God's present, or, you know, God is there, like God's speaking to you through the Bible. You know, so, you know, my partner can speak to me through a letter, it's not the same as being in their presence. It's not the same as having that dynamic interaction. My partner can play a song to me that's really wonderful I enjoy that but it's not the whole thing you know there's there's other parts to intimacy that are that are related there and and I think to be very honest I would prefer I would mean, be nice every now and then to have a song written about you and I mean that would be quite cool but you imagine that's like every single week you sit your partner down and sing at them for 45 minutes and the rest of the week you ignore them. I think I don't think that relationship's going anywhere. And so using those lenses quite quickly, I think the tacit idea that is put on the table of like, but it's always for God and it's about God. I think that falls apart very, very quickly. And it frustrates me that it's that level of argument. No, but God is there in the course. God is there in the course. God is really there in the weekend. But what we're really hooking people up to is, you know, kind of, Just this God thing is just mysteriously sometimes always there and just come to church and it'll carry on being there and that'll be special enough. Despite the fact that we've somehow stepped outside of that lane for that weekend and gone, maybe God can be specifically there. Or, look, to be very honest, I've come across people who've experienced things on weekends and I think they didn't know that that was going to happen. So they were themselves surprised (laughs) because I think it was still that tacit kind of, yeah, this God thing is kind of there and it's a nice sort of, you know, mental framework to get you through life. But suddenly it's this thing, you know, it's like the statue moves and speaks and you're like, fuck, what the hell was that? You know? uh, and they've been surprised themselves. So- yeah, I
0: mean, I've, I, I've, I've had it where on that weekend and in that event, I'm the only person stepping forward that has got any experience with that and therefore it's expected to be the person that hears from god and makes the experience good for everyone else because they don't know what to expect and they don't know what's going on that's quite horrific when i think of the churches that i've done it in especially you know so in the context of the church that i was in yes i still had to take responsibility like the first time i ran an alpha course i had to take responsibility but but be, being in the church that we we're in it was with a team of people that were familiar enough with the experience of God as well so I wasn't as alone because other people already had experience of God like that as well they just weren't given the permission or the you know the priority of, of just being the person who stepped up and had to lead and had to be responsible you know I like I, I was given that that lead space but in other environments you know the reason why they they, they wanted me or someone like me along was because they actually didn't have anyone in their community that could step forward that knew how to do anything like that. They didn't know how to step forward and go, I hear from God, God speaks, God becomes present, so let's invite God to come and and see what God wants to do and just roll with it. You know, they had no one that could actually fulfill that or do that. And even in trying to prepare them for that, they still had no idea because it's something that they hadn't seen or something they hadn't been exposed to. And so, so that ends up being quite challenging because in each of those environments, people say, yeah, it's all about God. Yeah, of course we value God speaking, God doing stuff. But what it looks like in practice is very different because God speaking in one environment is it's the Bible and the Bible only. In another environment, it's the Bible and all the preaching environment, <laughs> right? And there are others that also then incorporates worship. But all of that is, is, as you say, it's tacit, it's ambient, it's, it's collapsed into those activities. The experience of God has collapsed into that. And then when people do experience God in a very direct way, it's used as a support in that environment, as though the whole environment is so supportive of it, that that's what's enabled that to happen. And I think there we've got to start teasing out language around, you know, is God really speaking and acting in and through this environment or despite the environment? And I think in many situations, um, you know, you've got a sovereign being that does as 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 he or she pleases, right? And we've got churches that basically lay claim to that as though that's validation for the rest of what is being done by doing church. But I think that 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 churches are tremendously impoverished, and the impoverishment is actually evidenced in environments where there is this subculture. Uh, you know where there's the the host culture and subculture and their attention around this i think that highlights the impoverishment of christianity as a as a faith and as a practice of faith
1: for me you know i'm just kind of mulling over all of the things that we've been pushing back and forth this evening i think one of the central questions i think it just this just begs the question as i'm thinking through all of this of I'm not sure how to phrase it, but I just have this kind of like deep down in my gut, the sense of this question of where are, where are the people of God who have journeyed long and deep with God, who would be able to come together?
0: <sighs> That's not even it. You're touching on it. I, I, I like this line of exploration.
1: Yeah, I'm touching. I can. I'm just looking for the language. I, I'm like bordering on the sense of saying, like God is trying to get my attention on something, even now as we talk. But I guess partly what I'm what I'm not willing to say, or I'm afraid to say, is because it's wrapped up in kind of me a bit, and some of my dreams, and I think you and I together, and some of our dreams, but where is the place that these people come together to be able to celebrate their journey, to enrich each other, to to kind of hone their maturity of their relationship with God, their understanding of the experience of God, and to be able to offer that to those who are just getting to know God And I feel on the one hand that I am consistently disappointed for 20 years now in finding that gathering, in finding that grouping and connecting with those people, because it's been so few and far between. And at the same time, I still feel a desperate need and a longing for that and a desire to be part of sort of making that happen, because that for me is essential. I mean, it's central to my understanding of what it is to be someone connected with God, is to know that as, as central and, and just these three axes that we keep talking about are these three points on this constellation, self to divine, self to self and self to other, We need people who have done that for a long time, who have track record, have history, have experience, who are able to acknowledge that in others and able to provide counsel and wisdom and encouragement and to be those people who get super excited when you come and tell them, hey, I had my first kiss. This was weird and awkward and wonderful and all those things wrapped up into one and who go, oh. It gets better and worse and better and worse and difficult and wonderful and special and confusing and lonely and promising and there's a longing that will never be satisfied, but is often satisfied. It is this deep paradox. Come and come and join us in that there is a place for you. And I want to find that place for me, and I want to be part of being that place that others can come and connect into, where they'd be taken seriously, where the few conversations I have with people who have these experiences, I can say, "Okay, well, I'm not going to church anymore, but I know some people a network that you could plug into whatever it would mean. And and I I immediately falter on this, because it, it just sounds so institutional, the language that I have at my disposal, but there has to be something. And my sense is that God is doing something. And at the same time, I feel disheartened, because it just seems to be taking forever. And I don't, I can't see the way forward. But I have these tastes, like just now in this conversation of going, That's the question. Where are those people? Where are you? Are you listening into this? Like, where are you? Are you just being flung to the four corners of the earth? Have you been scattered? How do we gather in such a way as to provide hope and counsel and joy and celebration and mourning and everything together, where we can seek a way forward? Because I want that and I feel there are others that want that and need that and I need that. And I just can't escape from it being a sense of like part of the central purpose in my life. And and that's weird and but bit scary to say out loud, but it, I, I can't get away from this tangible feeling as we talk.
0: I'm aware that what one often bumps into then is, is the language of doing church and the activities and the practices of doing church and and I think that uh, alpha and this discussion alpha is really good because it highlights the conflict between the practice of the presence of God and and what happens when doing church and I I highly suspect that the answer is not just about people being solitary individuals but about, but about people finding ways to practice the presence of God together and that's that's Th- that's what i'm I'm looking to and that's what I'm excited about you can you can reach people through things like alpha and when we talk about ministry time next week we we're gonna extend that a bit but if we're bringing them to a culture that's anesthetizing them to the presence of God then it's it's really hard to fall in love with someone once you've started feeling jaded about them and I, I strongly suspect that many people that themselves put themselves forward as being Christian are actually tremendously jaded and entrenched in this in their spirituality in their faith where it is and they've been doing that for so long that that there's you know it's like dealing with a couple that's been dysfunctional for many years like like sometimes you just don't want to go there because a lot's going to come out and, and those individuals sometimes they don't want to go there because you know what they they need to keep the show up for it to work if they went there, that actually just went out and I think in the same way when it comes to church and faith many people are stuck in that same kind of tragic uh, dynamic that for them to admit to a need for God and need to experience God and to a want for that actually just says well then what have I been doing the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years you know so do you actually want to open that up or do you rather want to say no you'll become like me to those people that excise it. And I think that's actually more the kinds of environments that we have, and I think there's a tragedy to it. And but it doesn't have to stay that way. And certainly for myself, I choose to to not have it stay that way. <laughs> you know, like I, you know, for, for me, the practice of the presence of God is key, as 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 tied to prioritizing and valuing intimacy with God, and environments and practices that aren't conducive to that. If I'm not justifying that in some other way, then then um, that then I'm not compromising at it. Whereas often what happens is people choose to go to church for other reasons. They're not going in order to engage God. They're going for social reasons, or you know, as you say, find service or value or out of being part of a community.
1: My sense is that that is on that kind of dissonant note between the. The different sort of elements that you're drawing there together—that that is a good space for us to pause this evening, and then to flow in next week into the second part of this conversation together on uh, the other sort of ministry time element that that we wanted to discuss and and allow that to take us a little further down this down this track. I don't know where where you land with that.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think I'm with you. I mean, we we're definitely at the <laughs> At the point where we've got a good episode <laughs> and a good length to it, so so let's uh, let's leave that there.